Hello guys, welcome back to my podcast, Life As I Know It. I am so excited to be back. I know I have not been on here and I've not made a podcast since I've moved to college. It has been literally months and I am so sorry for taking that time away. But I'm so excited to be back. I have so many exciting things coming up that I'm so excited to share with you guys. But today I am doing a non-traditional podcast for my channel. This is actually something for a school project. Yeah, I know. I'm using this for a school project. Like, that's crazy. Um, So I took a class that is called Life in a Perpetual Beta, and it's actually about how AI and technology is shaping the future of society both today, so I guess that's not the future, and moving forward. So throughout this podcast, I'm going to answer some questions that AI actually came up with. Um, I brainstormed using Miro. It's a sort of technology brainstorming board that can be shared virtually with other people, but it also has an AI feature that can help generate questions. And I literally asked it, I was like, what should I make my podcast about for this project? And it gave me the prompt of discussing the future of AI and its potential impact on society. So here I am talking about AI and the potential impact on society. And then I asked it to come up with some prompts following that. And the few that I touch on in this podcast are establishing the ethical guidelines and regulation for AI development and use, promoting the diversity, inclusivity, and the development of AI technology and its applications, um, encouraging the, the development of AI technology that prioritizes human well-being and environmental sustainability. And the final one I touch on are what are some of the most promising applications in healthcare? And this actually came up as more of a concerning, not helpful one, the one thing I do touch on. Um, so this may sound very computer technology. And if you're like me, you really weren't into this sort of stuff before. But as someone who's not super into technology, I can tell you, you will want to listen to this. The things I bring up are so interesting. There's technology that can now almost hack into your brain and see what you're thinking. Um, There's, I talk about the pandemic and work. There's just so much here. And I really encourage you to listen along and learn a thing or two. Like always, make sure to check up on all my podcasts, subscribe to my podcast, add it. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, and follow my Instagram for more updates. The link is in my bio. So have fun and I hope you enjoy. So the first question I listed in sort of my overview of what we were going to talk about is establishing ethical guidelines and regulations for AI development and use. And this topic can get a little interesting depending on what we're talking about. So the first thing I thought to talk about is AI auditing. And is it a good thing? Who does it? What is it? To me, AI auditing is super important, but also is such a large, encompassing, confusing question, giving... We don't really know in society today who's doing the auditing. Should there be auditing? Since AI is such a newer thing and is rapidly becoming more prevalent in our society, companies haven't had much time to think about this. Um, But basically, there was an article that we read in class written by MIT Libraries called Who Audits the Auditors? And it is about basically what AI, AI auditing is. And AI auditing is basically who decides 
and what decides what AI is supposed to say, kind of the guidelines for how AI is allowed to respond, what it's allowed to say, what it's not allowed to say, and sort of those parameters that have to be coded within into AI. And there was a quote right at the beginning of the article that says AI auditing really isn't a thing at this point and that it's sort of an aspirational category. Just given how fast AI has developed, this is why there are so many people trying to research this question and currently figure it out. And the problem right now with AI auditing is that using computers to audit the AI, which is also a computer, is having problems with propagating racism, classism, sexism, ableism, and other forms of discrimination that can cause real harm in society. It's really hard to tell a computer who has no feelings how to act. So think of it has no idea kind of what how something would be perceived as racism and ableism unless a human would be able to code it. And one of the questions answered or one of the questions that was questioned in this article is should auditing be a human task? And I think my opinion on this is yes, because a computer doesn't have feelings. But something the article brought up is that some companies have started to kind of tackle this. One of the companies being Microsoft, and they have a committee that can hire people to work on auditing and how to go about it and just sort of come up with guidelines as a company to what they stand for and how they should view what AI should be doing, what AI should be saying. Now, the problem with this is that auditing isn't necessarily public knowledge on what is audited from AI, and it rarely is public knowledge. So this can become a problem in terms of free speech, like how much is a company telling AI what it can and can't say, and how much is that hindering on free speech? And as a society, we should be questioning this, especially in terms of free speech. And kind of going off of this, a question that also should be asked is should the government play into this? This is where it honestly can get a little, not sketchy, but very negotiable and political is how much should the government have a say on this given the topic of free speech and do we really want the government hindering on free speech but how much do we want the government to control AI given it's kind of exploding out of control right now it's definitely something interesting I think that the whole auditing idea is something that's very important and something that very much needs to be looked into given the fact that I'm not sure I want a bunch of third-party companies playing into what's allowed to be said and researched on the internet. So that's my three senses on it, but it's definitely something that is a whole encompassing topic that is very interesting. The next question I'm going to be addressing in my podcast is promoting diversity and inclusivity in the development of AI technology and its applications. The first time I really thought about this in full and really processed what this meant was during this assignment. It was called the Observe Your City Assignment. This was an assignment that we did in class, which required us to go out 
and observe our surroundings around our campus and then around our downtown area that surrounds our campus. And this assignment really helped me observe the challenges that people with disabilities face in our society today, especially because I noticed on campus some of the lack in accessibility with some of this technology, both analog technology and physical technology. Um, the analog technology that I noticed was that the ramps going into my residence hall were non-existent. They don't exist, meaning someone with disabilities would not be able to get in and out of this building. Same with within. There are no elevators. There are only staircases. And my building is a four-floor building. So someone in a wheelchair or who couldn't walk upstairs, it would be completely inaccessible to them. I also noticed on campus that the keypads we use to scan into every building because all our doors lock didn't seem very accessible to me for someone who was blind or had limited vision or even was in a wheelchair and couldn't reach the scanner. Um, from an outside perspective, that's what I see. However, I don't know if the campus has some sort of accessibility options for those who cannot reach the keypads. And something else I especially noticed, which provoked some thoughts within me on ideas on how to fix it, is that the traffic crossing signals around both around campus and around the downtown area surrounding our campus did not have any of like the audio talking thing so for someone who was blind they wouldn't know when to cross because there was no like beep there was no like please cross now you're good or like wait and i've seen that in other cities so i definitely find it interesting that we don't have that and to kind of combat that because while we can want that change to happen an idea i came up with is maybe creating some sort of ai to have the ability to help those with physical disabilities getting around and making some sort of app or technology that you could pull up on your phone and be like, I'm here, tell me what ways I can change the situation to make it more accessible for me, whether that's avoiding streets, um, playing something for someone by you, maybe a stranger to be like, hey, I'm so-and-so with a disability, can you help me cross the street? Um, or being able to sense the kind of people around them just from your phone, I think that would be pretty sick in promoting diversity and inclusivity and developing and incorporating AI within that category. The next sort of question that the AI Miro came up with for me to answer in this podcast is, how can we encourage the development of AI technology that prioritizes human well-being? And this is something that we kind of learned and talked about in class throughout the book, The Future's Analog. This book was written by David Sachs. It is a brand new book. It really talks about the author's perspective of technology within the pandemic and how that impacted his life. And this is one of my favorite books we read in class. I really relate to it. And a quote that he kind of said, talking about just like the whole human well-being tying into technology is, he quotes, the influence of the physical spaces on work every day extends beyond the office. It's the sights, smells, and textures of the everyday banal elements inside building walls. And that was on page 31. And something that kind of goes along with this quote is really talking about in-person work versus online virtual remote work, especially coming out of the pandemic. We kind of saw firsthand what it was like for most people in society to transfer from, I would say mostly in-person work, maybe some were working remote, but during the pandemic, we really saw that switch over all into remote work. And so it was really interesting to see as a society how we all function and collaborated and worked together remotely. But in this book, something that David Sachs talks about is 
when you're not in the office, you're losing kind of that aspect of being physically there and present. And this can potentially decrease productivity, can decrease the human emotions. And from a company perspective, I think it's really important that they look at the well-being of each individual employee and being like, their mental health while working remote is poor. While they're in the office, it might be better while they're interacting with coworkers. And I think this is something really important to be considered. And also the fact that some people do work better remote with their lifestyle. So it just honestly depends on the person. And kind of going off of school, instead of looking at it from a work corporate standpoint, looking at it from an educational standpoint, a quote that the author also said within his book is that it took a pandemic for me to fully appreciate the role that our school plays as a connector between my family and our community. And this is something coming from a student within the pandemic that I can really, really relate to. During online school, I really, really, really struggled with not having that human connection, especially not being able to see my friends, not being able to honestly interact with my teachers, not being able to be physically in the space of school, and instead being stuck in my home, my room, my office space, um, constantly looking at a screen all day and only engaging within that screen. It definitely very much affected my mental health. I became very depressed. It made my anxiety so much worse, not being able to have that social connection outside of my family. And communicating and learning lectures through a screen truthfully did not work for me. I was always so distracted by everything else going on in our house that being on a computer screen, listening to a lecture tempted me to go on my phone, tempted me to go somewhere else on my laptop other than the Google Meet we were on. It was definitely an experience that showed me I never want to do virtual online school again, that in person is truly important to me. And it's going off of the quote I said earlier that David Sachs said, talking about the influence on physical space and having the sights and smells and textures, that I believe really makes a difference and it really made a difference in my life. And sort of the question with this is, how can we develop AI that balances the past experiences of disconnect with society with the future development of technology? Because um, moving forward, I think it's super important that AI is inevitable, AI is growing, it's growing extremely rapidly. How can we develop AI and AI technology that can maybe enhance in-person work and enhance how corporations work together in person or change how like maybe half of a corporation works in person and the other half is completely overseas. How do we connect that and how can we use AI within physical school buildings to improve the education of our peers, peers younger than us, college students? How can we use AI to really enhance that? And there's that. That marks the end of my podcast. Thank you guys so much for going on this ride with me and hearing about my rants about AI and technology and how it's impacting our society today. I hope that you can walk away from this podcast either learning something or raising some questions on your own, like the questions I came up with questioning the AI. Maybe this AI honestly really scares you or maybe you think it's really dope. I, I don't know. That's your decision to make. I don't really have an opinion either way, but that's not what this podcast is talking about. So we're not going to get into that. And just thank you again so much for listening if you made it this far. And like always, if you liked this podcast, please follow it. Um, on Apple Music and or Spotify. 
And make sure you follow my Instagram. The link of my Instagram is in the descriptions. Thank you guys so much and have an amazing blessed day.